All right, so let's take a look today and see if there's any good news. Just take a look at the basic headlines. Let's go to the New York Post. It is the 18th of October, 2022. Headline shows a 48-year-old man was fatally shoved in front of an oncoming Queen subway train during Monday night's rush hour after he accidentally bumped into another rider according to cops and sources. 48-year-old man standing in a subway station accidentally bumps into someone. That person shoves him into a train. It's the world we live in. Uh, let me see. Oh, uh, freeze alerts issued for 75 million Americans as coldest air of season slams U.S., I think it's funny how we've evolved to the point where we need weather people to issue alerts, right? How on earth did people survive all those millennia without alerts, without even knowing what the weather was going to be? I guess they just had to play it by ear, didn't they? Let's see what else. Biden would rather cover up the border crisis than solve it. You know that 10,000 convicted criminals have entered the United States this past year. I wonder where they all went. I read a report today that researchers in Boston took the spike protein from the Omicron. You know what the spike is. It's a little pointy thing that covers the surface of the virus. If you looked into a microscope and you zoomed in, you would see these little spiky, kind of like what you might see, uh, you know, I have a tree that, ha I think it's some sort of an African tree, and it's got little spikes on it. There are certain plants, rose, roses have spikes on them, rose stems. Anyway, so they took the spike from the Omicron and genetically attached it to the original Wuhan strain then they injected this virus they didn't inject it they just introduced it to mice so there was 10 mice 8 of them died and why did they do it they did it because they wanted to see if the Omicron would ever be really dangerous because one of the features of Omicron is that it's not all that dangerous it spreads easily but it's not very dangerous so what do our scientists do? They decide to make a virus stronger, better, faster. Why did they do this? We don't know. We don't know because we never know until it's too late. Could a virus like that escape the lab? I mean, it's at a university. It's not as if it's a Wuhan 3 BSL-4 level bio center under the ground. And even that couldn't keep the virus from spreading. So I guess, you know, it's possible. They could possibly, we wouldn't know. They would cover it up, obviously. Oh, another report. And this is so damning. This is so incredibly damning. And all of this really serves to illustrate how far we have gone as a civilization. We're not heading in the right direction. Even though we've amassed such great knowledge and we've created such a intricate and complex living system we've evolved 
but our leaders are making mistakes that have serious ramifications on on the people. And, and in this way, we are now being told that Pfizer did not verify that the vaccinations, the mRNA vaccinations, would be or would prevent transmission. So, in other words, if you got the vaccine, it didn't necessarily mean that you couldn't spread or even get COVID. Yes, you're hearing me right. An experimental use authorization vaccine, which provides legal immunity to Pfizer and Moderna in case there are adverse or long-term adverse effects, are now admitting that they did not do the research and they did not conclusively show that getting a vaccine would prevent the spread of COVID. And we all know that early on, President Biden, uh, Dr. Rochelle Walensky from the CDC, Dr. Anthony Fauci from NIAID, all repeatedly told the American public that the vaccine would prevent the spread of COVID-19 and that if you were not vaccinated, you were a spreader. The unvaxxed, remember? Biden said it numerous times. The pandemic of the unvaxxed, the unvaccinated. People who refused to get the, vab, uh, the jab were, uh, were incar not incarcerated, but they were lambasted. They were shamed. They were told they were dangerous. And in my own family and probably yours, there have been people who haven't spoken to each other because one party refused to get a vaccination. And we were all told that people who didn't get vaccinated posed a threat. And now we're finding out that Pfizer, through its own admittance, said that there was no evidence to show that getting the vaccine would prevent the spread of COVID. So what was the vaccine for? Oh, it was to prevent you from dying, even though you only have a 1 in 1,000 chance of dying from COVID. How would we know? How would we know? How would you know if the vaccine saved you or your immune system? And now we know that people who are vaccinated multiple times have challenged and weakened immune, immune systems. Another uh, Delta strain could wipe people out because they have little immunity. The immunity system has been compromised by the vaccines. Anytime you take any kind of a flu shot, you're introducing your body to something that is supposed to build up an immunity too. But by doing that, by virtue of that, what tends to happen with viruses is they adapt and they mutate. So there are no two strains are exactly equal. And that's why every year you have to get a new vaccine shot or a new flu shot because the flu is mutating constantly. Law is life in adaptation. Life is constantly adapting. But it's nice to know that we were lied to again. And then hearing that they're actually working on a more powerful strain just to see what happens is just so foolhardy. It's almost suicidal. So here I'm telling you all this for what reason? It's not going to make you feel good about going out in the world today, is it? But it's supposed to, and it's intended to wake you up. It's supposed to jar you into realizing that not is all as it seems. Uh, and you can choose to 
<coughs> ignore it or you can choose to get involved and be an activist. But then you run the risk of drawing attention to yourself. And you don't want to do that, do you? You don't want to put anything in your life at risk by appearing to be on the wrong side of an issue, which is where we're at today. Which is why most of us don't speak up today. I'm sitting here looking on the back side of 60, or the front side of 60, and I am choosing with the remaining years or decades of my life, what is it that I want to pursue? What do I want to accomplish? Well, I've been trying to raise awareness for the good part of my broadcast career going back to late 1999. I've, I've been on the air in numerous cities, numerous markets. I am what you would call a talk show host. I'm not currently on the air per, per se, but I do fill in occasionally and I make appearances, but it's primarily because I have two other chief op occupations that keep me quite busy. I have a consulting business, production company, if you will, and then I also have consulting that I do with a major distributor of talk programming. So I'm keeping myself busy. And the commitment of doing a daily talk show is high and deserves to be high. And so I do the podcast because they tell me that podcasts are good at reaching people and, and people listen to podcasts in a different way than they listen to talk radio. Primarily, you're not being interrupted every 10 minutes by a commercial break. And I'm not constantly teasing you what's coming up next. And I'm not using all these gimmicks. I'm just talking to you. Trying to spread the word. So my my recommendation for the day is to start reading ZeroHedge.com more often. Most of the time, I start my day with ZeroHedge.com just because... I'm not going to get the same headline scrolls. I'm not going to, if I, I can't even tell you the last time I've been to CNN or ABC News. Doc, you know, I, I just don't go there. If you want to see what the mainstream media wants you to see, go to Google, Google News. They aggregate all of the, what they would term acceptable news, news they want you to focus on, the Ukraine war. Tra tragedy that is the Ukraine war, but they won't focus on the fact that Biden is refusing to try to seek a diplomatic resolution because he benefits from the war. He's benefiting from the deaths of people who are dying in Ukraine. Uh, but the mainstream media won't tell you that. How is he benefiting? Because of the military-industrial complex. It's real simple, folks. It costs money to ship those weapons overseas. That money comes from the taxpayers to the coffers of places like Raytheon and McDonnell Douglas, companies that build weaponry, and they sell it. Helicopters are not cheap. Missiles are not cheap. Surface-to-air missiles are not cheap. Guns, arm, you know, armor, rifles. Somebody pays for that. And so when the coffers get filled over there at McDonnell Douglas and Raytheon, that money gets siphoned back into the re-election campaigns of these politicians. It's the same with Big Pharma. 
I bet if you took a survey of the executives who run these these pharmaceutical companies, more than 70% of the time you'll probably find that donors donate to Democratic candidates because the Democratic Party supports Big Pharma. They want Big Pharma to be successful for obvious reasons. So... I'm not saying the Republicans have their hands clean by no stretch of the imagination. They're just as guilty of it. I'll never trust Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee again. She turned her head when Big Pharma was creating, in plain sight, the opioid crisis. She refused, refused to acknowledge it. So the Republicans are just as guilty. You know, I was not a fan of George Bush, either one of them. I'm not a fan of Dick Cheney. I'm not a fan of Liz Cheney. I'm not a fan of... I'm willing to say that after, the, after World War II, America changed. The American government changed. It became an intelligence operation. I'm convinced now that when the CIA and the FBI... Well, the FBI have been around for a while, but when we had these national intelligence agencies... We developed them in response to external forces, right? But they ended up being used, as they always do, as political devices. And you read what's happening now with the people who have been arrested in connection with the riots in Washington on January 6th, 2020. You know, people who did wrong obviously should be arrested and tried and given their day in court. But the way that the FBI is going about it is sheer fear tactic. It's to send a message. And up until recently, I didn't want to believe that we lived in that kind of a country where you have the government using and weaponizing its Justice Department to go after political enemies, to make examples of them. That's something you would expect to see in a Stalinist regime or in Venezuela not something you'd expect to see from the United States of America, and yet here we are. Whistleblower from Orlando or Florida said he was contacted, something to do with Trump or something to do with uh, a rioter uh, who lived in Florida, and he was asked to take on a case, and he said, you know what, they, they didn't do anything or something to that effect, and he said the FBI is using excessive force on purpose to scare people. And it's sending a message. And this is Joe Biden's FBI. Now, I'm not saying it couldn't happen under a Trump term, but I don't recall the FBI or the Department of Justice being weaponized. In fact, I would say that the opposite is true. The whole time that Trump was in office, the FBI was investigating him based on information that was leaked to the press via the Hillary Clinton campaign and probably Obama himself who spied on the president for four years. Sounds like I'm on Trump's side, but I'm not. I mean, bad leadership is bad leadership. No one has an exclusivity on, on bad leadership, but it's become banal. The deep state, the American system, it seems to be on a terribly misguided course. And it's looking more and more totalitarian surveillance, a surveillance state.
and you got Biden, pre you know, prying into your bank account if you have more than $600, weaponizing the IRS to go after anyone, everyone, and force you to have to take legal action or settle. I mean, it's just using the IRS to go after American citizens, arming them. Does that sound like a freedom-loving president? Is it like something that George Washington or Thomas Jefferson would do? The way things will change uh, in November could be significant. I'm not altogether convinced that the November elections, I mean, we know we're expecting a landslide Republican victory, but so what? Then what? Then what? Then we have two years of Biden not being able to get anything done. Uh, and there'll be hearings, as there should be, on certain individuals, like Dr. Fauci and members of the FBI, to find out, you know, why is our current U.S. government so misguided? Hopefully put an end to some of it, but maybe they'll even try to impeach Joe Biden. I mean, he's only got two years left and his health is failing and he becomes more belligerent every day. So, you know, will he last two years? Probably, but they're not grooming Kamala Harris. I think the Democrats really don't know who to groom. Though I would predict that at this point, Gavin Newsom is probably their number one choice. Could be Bernie Thompson. I saw a poll the other day that showed Bernie was leading all Democrats in opinion polls. In a, in a list of, say, 10 of the most view, favorably viewed political candidates, Ron DeSantis was number one. Bernie Sanders was, like, number five or six. Way at the bottom, Nancy Pelosi. Trump was number five. Favorability. So it's interesting to see, but I, I, I'm, of, I'm akin to believing that it, it may be too late to save the republic. I'm not quite ready to acquiesce, but something tells me that a major... The correction has to come from within. And as long as you have an extremist ideological culture embracing things that, are, that go against... <coughs> the very principles of a strong society, the breakup of the family, crime, high inflation, high taxes, all of these things conspire to tear down a republic. And if you don't believe me, just ask the Roman Empire. So we could be, you know, Rome lasted, what, 400 years? We're around 250, 230, 240? You know, we could be seeing a hundred years of decline. We could see a resurgence. It all depends on us. But if our heads are up, our collective asses, and all we care about is climate change and transsexualizing our children so they can be free, uh, and our education continues to perpetuate progressive ideals that break up family and sense of community, and everybody's walking on eggshells because they don't want to be called a racist or a transphobic 
then this country is not going to do well for the next two or three generations. It will be like the early days of communism. Everybody will, if you go back and look at the first 20 to 30 years of communism, what you find, it didn't become that way overnight. It started with a small group. And then they became a nation of snitches. Everyone began snitching on one another. People were being arrested for being a threat to the party or a threat to the common good. And I could see that happening with ideologues who are hell-bent on shaming people who don't believe in climate change. I could see people being charged with a crime for using too much carbon. I could see a day where we'll all be given a carbon allowance. They'll be able to calculate through our smartphones how much carbon we're consuming or using each day. It'll be a carbon tax based on human activity or human consumption. And it'll be under the threat of force. I could see that happening. Young people today are dangerous. They're growing up with strange ideas about, you know, you want to upset a country. Fidel Castro said, let me raise your children. You want to take over a country, give me your children. He said that. Lenin knew that too. Mao knew that as well. The revolution in China, the People's Revolution, was not from adults and teachers and professors and elitists. It was from students. Students who, like our kids today, get pissed off because they don't get free education because society owes them something. It's that same attitude of what are you going to do for me that creates the environment where words like equity, inclusion, those are code words for give me your stuff. Give me your stuff. You didn't earn it. You didn't build it. It's for the common good. So, you know, I'm usually wrong about long-term predictions. I tend to be more accurate with short-term predictions. My short-term prediction is we'll probably end up with a Republican president. It probably won't be Donald Trump. But something will happen between now and then, maybe... Maybe Taiwan will be seized. Maybe there'll be a nuclear, a limited nuclear war. But um, something will change, and, and, and it may sober us up. I would have thought the pandemic would have sobered us up, but everybody was too frightened. The media did its job well in confusing and frightening everyone into rolling up their sleeve over a virus that was created by U.S. funding. That's the irony people are still recovering from that I'm still recovering from that my wife is still recovering family members are still recovering <clears throat> so my thought for you today read as much as you can and get the hell away from social media avoid Facebook avoid Twitter as much as you can and if you do go there be careful what you say uh, you don't know this, but they're building an algorithm every time you type a word. Remember Pandora? Remember that music service? Every time you picked a song, it would cross-reference you to other people. And they build, over time, they build a 
an algorithm based on your pre pre uh, preferences. So then they learn better how to manipulate you and give you what you need so that you won't go away. And that's the danger of social media. They build a profile. China's been doing this for over a decade. It's been suggested that they probably have a dossier on every human being who has a smartphone in America. Until next time, thanks for stopping by.